All right, well, good morning, church. Uh, I am so glad to be with you guys this morning. As Chad said, my name is Matt, and I get the honor uh, to serve as the student pastor here, and uh, that is just so much fun. I hope that you guys have had just a, a wonderful time with family over the last couple of weeks. Hope you had a very Merry Christmas, and I hope that all of you have some fantastic plans uh, for tonight as you and your friends and your family ring in the new year. And I hope for some of you who bleed crimson and red like I do, we'll have a great day tomorrow. And for some of you who bleed a different shade of, of, of orange and blue, I am sorry about what transpired for you guys yesterday. So we'll move on from that. And uh, all hard feelings aside, I do hope that you guys have a great and wonderful 2024. Uh, so this is one of those Sundays that it can be kind of easy to, uh, to get up here and, and bring something about, hey, here are some your New Year's resolutions right here, right now, that you can do something super cliche and easy. And I'm going to be completely honest, I'm a sucker for easy. So we're going to do something like that, but I hope it's not as much cliche as it is applicable, as it is something that we can take, a few things, a few commitments that we can make starting right now that can impact our 2024. Because I don't know where you're at on this New Year's Eve, all across the board, all across of lifestyles and, and generations, there's no telling where you could be feeling, where you could be spiritually, physically, emotionally, where you could be right now. 2023 may have been the worst year you have ever encountered. Like things in your life didn't happen that didn't make sense. Things in your life may have happened that did not go according to your plan. The, th the, the thing that you had laid out, it, it just didn't work, didn't work out, didn't go well for you. Things that have happened in your life didn't exactly turn out how you had expected. Whether it's been your family or your finances or your marriage or your workplace, or all of the above, basically you would love nothing more than to move on and forget 2023. Or maybe you are on the complete opposite end of that spectrum. Like maybe 2023 has been absolutely fantastic for you. Maybe it's been great. You've seen, you, you've improved health. Like you've never been healthier. Your family dynamic has never been stronger. Your marriage has never been better. You've never been more successful than you are right now at your job. Praise God. Listen, this message is for you no matter where you are at this morning. Why is that? Well, I've seen in life, and I think you can identify with this as well, that maybe this 2023 has been a valley-type season year for you. Well, what I do know about life is that if you are maybe in a valley right now, I do believe that God might just be preparing your heart for a mountaintop season. But maybe you've been in a mountaintop season in 2023, but I would warn you, look out, a valley may be coming your way. I don't know, I can't predict the future, but no matter where you are at, no matter how 2023 has gone for you, I hope that we would enter to 2024 saying, hey, no matter what, whether it's been a great year or a terrible year, man, I hope 2024 is better. And so I've got just a couple things this morning that can help us maybe have a focus on a new year and a new beginning having a new year and a new beginning. And how I want to do that is I want to look at a person who had multiple encounters with Jesus, who's mentioned very much so in the Gospels, all the Gospels actually, about how her life was changed by Jesus and how she continued to follow and serve and live a life that was more like Jesus. But in order to do that, it kind of takes some commitment from you guys. Like all of these points that we're going to take, take action 
verbs that you guys can commit to in 2024. So I hope that you'll join me in doing this because these are things that I want to tattoo on my heart for 2024, that these are the commitments that we can make. And I hope you'll join me in executing these things in 2024. So here's the first thing. Let's go right into it. In 2024, I can commit, I can, I can focus on saying I can have a, embrace, I can embrace a new change in my attitude. That like, my attitude can be very much so different than it was in 2023, hopefully for the better. Let's check out some scripture in Luke chapter eight this morning. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took the 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out several demons. Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's business manager, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciple. Luke, in Luke chapter 8, specifically mentions these group of women, and it's on purpose. And so this morning, as we look at some things that we can do in 2024 that might set us up for success, I want to look at the life of Mary Magdalene this morning. So you saw in that in verse chapter, I mean, in chapter 8, verse 2, Mary Magdalene had a huge change in her life. What we know about Mary Magdalene from the Gospels and from Jewish history is that she was a Jewish woman from, a, from the fishing city of Magdala near the Sea of Galilee. What else do we know about her? Well, we know, as that verse tells us, she had a large part in the ministry of Jesus. We see her all throughout the Gospels and learn a lot about her. She's recorded in all four Gospels that she's at the death, that she's at the burial, and she has a part in the resurrection story of Jesus, that she's there that she's there on the third day. We hear a lot about Mary Magdalene. She was one of Jesus' closest followers. And as you saw in that verse, she had demons cast out of her, that Jesus had casted demons out of Mary Magdalene. And after that, her life changed. This is kind of where I want to settle for just a moment. I don't know about you, but I remember often the phrase that whether my mom or my dad would look at me and say, hey, do you need an attitude adjustment. Now, I don't know what that attitude adjustment looks like for a lot of you. I know what it looks like for me, and it was not a phrase I wanted to hear. One particular time, I was probably five or six years old, and we were at an old Southern Baptist church, and my mother was up on stage singing, and she had a beautiful voice. She could sing, and I sat on the very first few pews. At that time in my life, I was a very big fan of Toy Story. Still a very big fan of Toy Story. Love that movie. And I thought that in the middle of my mom's special, that's what we called them in the Southern Baptist Church, we called them specials, right? In the middle of church, my mom's up there singing, and I stand up on the second pew, and I had my little Buzz Lightyear laser on my wrist, and I am just lasering every single person that I can laser right there in that church. And these 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 more wise ladies were behind me and they tried to get me to settle down. So what I did was I stood up and I gave them both the lasers, right? Like I gave them, I am mowing them down with the lasers, right? And my mom got off that stage and she grabs me by my ear and pulls me back, back behind the stage. So this is where I'm gonna embarrass myself because not all of you know my, my real name in here, but, that, but you do know when your mama says your real name, you better hold on to something tight, right? So my mom grabbed me by my ear, pulled me backstage. She goes, Madison Noah Aldridge, do you need an attitude adjustment? And I probably said no, and I guarantee you I got one. My attitude was adjusted very swiftly. 
See, on a much more serious note, some of us, when things go wrong or when things go right, our attitude can sometimes be in the wrong place. And I think if we wanna change the way that our year has gone or improve upon the way that our year has gone, I think our attitude change has to be the first thing that happens. Like I know for me, like if things are going wrong, I can make one bad decision and then very quickly that one bad decision spirals into about a million worse decisions. Whether it be my, the stress or my anxiety or all those things start to compound and spiral itself out of control and before I know it, I am six feet deep in a problem of my own making. Or maybe if things have been like awesome for you, maybe they've been great so far in 2023 and I hope that they were, but I know when things go well for me, what I can tend to do is start to focus on, okay, hey, this went well, so how can I make this get better? How, how can I hyper, and we may start to hyper focus on, hey, the next big step, the next thing. And while I'm not saying that's wrong, we always wanna improve on what we do, but improvement is our hyper focus and not following Jesus and being who God has called us to be. I'm not saying our priorities are wrong. I'm just saying they're out of whack. It's okay to wanna do better, but that can't be what drives me. As a believer, as people who are following Jesus, what should drive me is, hey, how can I make Jesus known in my life? How can I know Jesus and make Jesus known in every corner of my life? After this life-changing encounter that Mary Magdalene has with Jesus, when he changes the eternal trajectory of her life, her attitude shifts and it turns to focus on serving Jesus with everything that she has. That verse three says that she, along with these other women, were financially supportive of Jesus's ministry. She gave a lot of what she had to support Jesus. She knew that her life had been a real mess. She knew that at one point in her life, the enemy, Satan, was in complete control of her life. And she knew now that without Jesus, her life had no meaning and she had no hope. And so after she met Jesus, she lived with a changed attitude. She followed Jesus wherever she went and she cared for him and she gave him all that we had. Can that simply be something we commit to in 2024? That no matter where we're headed or where we've been, can we shift our attitude more so for, hey, what can Jesus do for me? And maybe an attitude of, hey, how can I serve the King of Kings? I think if we step into 2024 with an attitude like that, I think it can set us up for Success. The next thing. So we can have a change of our attitude, but also if stepping into 2024, I can choose faith over fear. Let's look at some text in Matthew 27. And many women who had come from Galilee with Jesus to care for him were watching from a distance. Now, what are they watching? This is the end of the gospel story where Jesus is starting to be taken off the cross, moved to the tomb, and buried. And so there's this group of women that includes Mary Magdalene, verse 56. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They're there at the cross scene. They're watching from afar, and they're seeing all that is transpiring as Jesus is taken down off the cross, as he's hung there for hours upon hours. And he's taken off and buried and prepared and resurrected. Now, this is something kind of funny. It's something I want to make sure that we notice. In the scenes that we see of the resurrection story, most are in the, the crucifixion story, most of the disciples are nowhere to be found. Not all of them. 
we see some conversation that Jesus has from the cross with some of the disciples. But most of the disciples, most of the guys who have been following Jesus for over three years in close quarters, Jesus's 12 best friends, most of them are nowhere to be found. Why? They're terrified. They're scared. They're worried. And this group of women, some of the Jesus's closest family members and closest friends who are women in this culture, which again, if you know anything about the Jewish culture in this time, it's not common. This is not the way that things should go. Mary stays close to Jesus even when it's scary. I don't know about you, but maybe I feel like I'm like the disciples sometimes. Like it's evident that God has placed a person in my life or a situation in my life or a decision in my life that God is in, that God has brought me to, yet fear gets in my way. It may be fear of rejection. It may be a fear of being labeled, a, a fear of being uncomfortable or uncool or fear of maybe this person saying yes and I, and I don't know, I have no idea how to disciple somebody or maybe it's the fear of being wrong or the fear of the unknown. Maybe you think today that you're not actually good enough to have an impact for the kingdom of God. Maybe you think that you have too many skeletons in your closet for God to use you. Church, hear me say this clearly. Fear is nothing but a lie told to you by the enemy himself. Scripture tells us very clearly, clearly in Isaiah, God is telling Isaiah, he says, do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. In 2 Timothy, we hear that God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. I don't know what you're scared of this morning. And I'm not talking about scared of snakes or the dark, because I think all of us should probably have those fears in a rational kind of way. I don't like snakes. We shouldn't have those. But I'm talking about a fear of what God has called you to, a fear of, hey, if I take this next step that God has called me to, I'm not quite sure what will happen next. That if I'd start to disciple this person that God has placed in my life that I have almost nothing in common with, but it's obvious that they need someone who loves Jesus in their life, I'm not sure how that will go. God's called me to make this decision for my family or in regards to where I work or what I do or with our finances or in our marriage or in our family, whatever the case may be, God's called you to step into something and you're not quite sure how that's gonna go. You can't see every step ahead of you. All you can know is, hey, God's called us to something and I'm scared of that. Church, hear me. God is so much bigger than any of those fears. Big or small, God is always greater. He's always there to stand by your side, to help you face your fears and protect you in those weakest moments. He's so much stronger than any earthly thing. Remember, he has put you where you are for this season for a reason, and he will see you through it. I know God has something huge for you in 2024. Listen, we just, at the very first song we sang, we talked about what are we waiting for? Like, do you, do you want to be used by God? I hope if, if you're someone who says I'm following Jesus, like I hope that answer is yes. God, please use me. Every day our prayer could be, God, please use me for your kingdom, for your glory. Paul says that God has called us to be his earthly ambassadors, his representatives to a lost and dying world. That sounds like an important job, and I want to play a part in that. Listen, this church will grow. Your families will thrive. Your workplaces will change if we can commit to choosing faith 
over fear. Next thing, this is good. I can be assured in 2024 that Jesus knows my name. So before we pick up this scripture, I kind of want to make sure you kind of get some context of where we're at. So what we're going to pick up in John chapter 20, Jesus at this time has been dead for three days. In John chapter 20, it is Easter Sunday. And Mary and some other women go to the tomb and they're going to prepare Jesus' body and, 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 and work through that process. And they get to the tomb and what do they see? It's empty. And that's kind of scary. It's not supposed to be. There's supposed to be a person. There's supposed to be a body there. I mean, there's this huge stone that's rolled away. So Mary and the other women go and they go find Peter and the other disciples. And so Peter and John run back to the tomb and they see that it's empty. They don't quite understand what's happening, but they go back and tell the other disciples and who's left there? Mary. Because she's not quite sure what's happening. She sees the empty tomb and she's not really sure what to make of it. Essentially, Mary, in this moment, is distraught. She's really confused as to what happened to her Savior, to her friend, to her Jesus. But why? Well, essentially, it could be maybe the, the mindset of where you and I may be this morning. That, like, you're not quite sure how you got to where you are on New Year's Eve 2023, but you look back on this past year and you see, hey, things didn't go how I thought they would. Hey, the ending of this Jesus guy that we followed and we thought was the Messiah, he's, he's not, where's his body at? Maybe things haven't gone how you thought they would go. Maybe the ending is not how you expected it to be. Maybe they've turned out not according to your plan. In this moment, Mary's focused on her surrounding circumstances and most of us aren't that different. That when things go not how we expected or things don't go how we thought they would or when we just don't know what to do, we start focusing on all the things happening around us and maybe not what God has set before us. So let's see what happens in John chapter 20. So she, she being Mary, she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she did not recognize him. And he says to her, he says, dear woman, why are you crying? Mary's obviously upset. Jesus asked her, he says, who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and I will get him. And Jesus says, Mary. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which means teacher. I don't know if we quite see how impactful and powerful this can be. See, Mary has seen Jesus work Mary has seen Jesus do miracles. Mary has seen Jesus cast out seven demons out of her own life. We can look through scripture, we can look at our own lives and we can see the workings of Jesus. We can see the miracles. We can look back on the empty tomb. Yet Mary in this moment had no confidence that Jesus may actually be who he said he was. She doesn't recognize who Jesus is. And if you notice, she actually starts to plead with who she thinks is the gardener. Sir, if you, can just, if you can just tell me where he's is, I, I, I'll go get him. I'll go do whatever it takes. And sometimes we plead the same. God, if you'll just help me get through this, I'll be at church the next Sunday morning. God, if you can just help me do this, I will give you everything that I have. We start to plead when things don't go according to our plan. But notice when things change. Notice when things change. When does Mary recognize Jesus? When he calls her by name. 
to know the savior of the world, this man who had died a death that Mary owed, that the disciples owed, that you owed, that I owed, things change in our lives when we are reminded that Jesus knows my name, that Jesus knows your name. That he knows the day you were born. He knew you before you were born. Scripture tells us he knew you when you were knitted together in your mother's womb. He knows the amount of hairs on your head. He knows everything from your first breath to your last. And he knows how the end of all eternity ends. And he is the God of forever and ever and ever. And yet he still knows your name. We find direction We find comfort. We find peace when we hear from Jesus. And sometimes, all honesty here, sometimes when we hear from Jesus, that answer that we've been looking for, it might be yes, it might be no, it might be not right now. Yet in every trial and circumstance and heartache, in every mountaintop and every success and every celebration, every answer turns back to the healing that took place on Calvary. And that same God knows your name. I don't know what Jesus is calling you to in 2024, but I promise and I do know he's calling you to something. Do you hear his voice? Are you listening for his voice? If Jesus does not know our name, then all of this following Jesus is for nothing. But Jesus knows my name and he knows your name. And we can rest assured of that in 2024. And so if Jesus knows my name, the last thing that you can maybe commit to in 2024, I can commit to tell others my story. If Jesus knows my name, then I can commit to tell my story to others. Let's see what happens in John chapter 20 after Mary has this encounter with Jesus. So Mary Magdalene found the disciples. She sprints to them and she told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. Mary's quote could not be more spot on. I have seen the Lord. She sprints the disciples. She says, I have seen the risen Jesus. Mary goes from being paralyzed with fear and not knowing even who Jesus is in that moment to sprinting back the disciples in overwhelming victory. Why? Because she has seen Jesus. Church, I want that to be our attitude in 2024. That you become the person that people look at you as like, oh, there comes that Jesus person again, right? That we can have the attitude of I'm not I, I, over my, that I have faith over my fear, and that when people look at me, what they hear from my life is nothing about me, but they hear that I have seen Jesus. One of the things that I like to be when I'm going to a group of people or a party is I like to be the guy that tells stories. I like telling stories. Most of them are true. (laughs) But I think something unique that God has called us to is for all of us to be storytellers. Not in a negative context, but in the context of we tell the story that God has placed in our life. I've had many students in working in student ministry when we talk about sharing their testimony or sharing their story. I've heard a lot of them say, Pastor Matt, like, I, I, I would love to, to share my testimony, my story, but my, my testimony is kind of boring. Like, my, my testimony, my story is kind of plain. 
And what I want to help them recognize and help you recognize this morning is like, it is not boring or plain that the God of the universe died for a sinner like you. That the God of the universe sent his son to die for a sinner like me. I think sometimes we have like this notion that like our story has to have this elaborate, action-packed, like Marvel-type story arc. And Mary's story certainly has something like that. But God can use every and any part of your story to draw people nearer to him. So as the band starts to come out, uh, where I found this to be really evident was a couple of summers ago. Uh, when I, so a, couple, a couple of summer ago, I guess it was in 2021, uh, my mom passed away suddenly. And it was really hard. It's one of the most difficult times that I've ever been through and walked through. And still, it's hard even to this day. If you've lost a parent or a mom or a dad, whatever the case may be, you know that that's difficult. And so a couple weeks after my mom passed away, and we'd gone through the funeral and done all the things, and you're trying to search for closer, and uh, my brother and I and some friends, we, have a, 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 we are just musically ignorant enough to go and, and lead worship at some camps and retreats and stuff like that. And so we were at a church, and this church back in our hometown, they had live worship at their VBS for that week, their vacation Bible school. And it was in the morning, and so we would go, and we would play worship, and they would sit for the afternoon and then like, do like their exits, the exit ceremony. Kind of like the last, they'd come back in, have their last little rally, and we'd play worship there. And in that auditorium, that's where they did their little music class, where they would teach the motions of the songs that we were playing, and it was super cute and super fun. And on one of the last days, I was sitting in that auditorium by myself off the side. So like if all the kids are in this middle section, I'm sitting like somewhere over there by myself, just alone. I wasn't really in the mindset to lead worship. I probably should not have been there. We're probably just a couple months out of my mom passing away. And I was mad at God. Oh, so mad and frustrated and hurt and confused. I didn't know why. I couldn't understand it. And I'm sitting there scrolling on my phone, just as angry as I could be. And this little five-year-old boy comes up next to me and he taps me on the shoulder. And I noticed him all week because he's a son of, uh, of a friend of ours in that town. And he's also the tallest five-year-old you'll ever see. And it was Rylan. And Rylan came up to me. He tapped me on the shoulder. And he, he said, hey, Mr. Guitar Man, why, why are you over here by yourself? And I kind of brushed him off because I was like, I don't really want to talk to this five-year-old. I said, well, Rylan, I'm just, I'm just waiting for you guys to get out of here so that we can get up on stage and do the thing that we got to do and, and kind of move on and get out of here. And he said, oh, okay. And he walked away. And just maybe a couple seconds later, he walks back and he pulls something out of his probably sweaty and nasty pocket, but he pulls out this little sticker and it has a cross on it. And he said, hey, I want you to have this. I said, Riley, I don't, you can keep your sticker. Dude. I, don't need, I don't have to have your sticker. And he said, no, like you, he said, I, 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 I want to tell you what Jesus did. 
This little five-year-old boy looks at with only the hope that a child can have and tells me the story of how Jesus died for him and how Jesus rose again for him. I'm not sure anything too miraculous or crazy had happened in his five-year-old life, but I knew that something really awful had happened in mine. And the faith of that five-year-old boy, God used that to help heal me in that moment, to help find clarity, to remember what Jesus had done for me. To know that if I, that, that Paul tells us in Thessalonians that if we are the people that God has called us to be, that we don't grieve like everyone else. We grieve knowing that we will see those loved ones who are also in Christ on the other side. And my anger and my frustration and my hurt and my pain stopped me from seeing all of that. But five-year-old little Ryland looked at me, gave me that sticker and said, hey, I want you to be reminded of who Jesus is. Church, he's five years old. Your story does not have to be this crazy, elaborate, you, you came from, this is where you're at, this is where you are now. The basic of the gospel is that sinners are in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior. And if you are saved by the blood of Jesus, that alone is a powerful testimony. If you wanna see God's blessings pour out in your life in 2024, I think that we can start by simply telling the people in your life what God has changed about you. How God has changed your life. Share what you know to be true about this Jesus. Your story has purpose. Your story has meaning. God wants to use what he has done in your life to change the eternal trajectory for someone in your life. A family member, a coworker, a friend. If you want to see this church grow, tell your story. If you want to see your family blessed in 2024, tell your story. If you want to be used by God for a major impact in the kingdom of God, tell your story. If you want to see your marriage grow, look at your spouse and tell them your story. Tell them how God is continuously changing you. If you want your life to change in 2024, I promise you, tell your story. Tell how God has changed you. So I don't know if these are New Year's resolutions or commitments or just things that went in one in or out the other. But my prayer for you in 2024 is that we can embrace a change in our attitude, that we can choose faith over fear, that we can be reminded and assured that Jesus knows our name. He knows your name. And that I can commit to tell others my story. Let's pray. So Father, I do thank you for this morning. I thank you for who you are. God, I am thankful that you have orchestrated from the beginning of time until the end of time, God, a story that is a beautiful story unfurling that you, a holy God, saved sinful, helpless people. God, thank you for Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. Father, I pray, I pray blessings over every person and family represented in here and on who's watching online, God, that, that you will bless them and keep them in 2024, that your face will shine upon them, that you will be gracious to them. Father, I pray that you will help us have a change in our attitude in the new year. 
Father, I pray that you will give us the confidence and the strength to choose faith over fear. God, tattoo on our heart, remind us that you are the God of the universe and you know our name. God, give us the boldness to go out and tell others the story of what you've done in our life. God, that we can tell them that you are the King of Kings, that you are the Lord of Lords, that we can tell them that you are bigger than any fear that we have. God, that you are worthy of everything that we could ever give. And God, I pray that in 2024, we will commit to those things. God, use us for your glory, for your kingdom, and may your will be done in this place, in our families, and in our hearts. And these things we ask in your name. Amen.